Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Jesus Continued Sermon Series. This series digs deeper into who the Holy Spirit is, the Spirit's role, and why God desires for us to live Spirit-led lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. It's good to be back with you. A lot has been going on since I, I have left. I heard some great things about the messages that David and Ray preached, and, and uh, Dan and Lisa had a little baby boy this week, so congratulations to them. Also, I heard uh, we had a baptism last week. That's great. Um, we had a couple baptisms this Sunday, uh, summer. If you haven't been baptized by immersion, um, I want to encourage you to consider uh, August 6th, we're going to have a big picnic and baptisms. So uh, if you would like to be baptized by immersion, please contact us and let us know because we believe this is such an important step of faithfulness to Jesus and we would love to tell you more about that. Uh, Cynthia and I were away, as she said, we were away in the mountains of North Carolina with my father-in-law and our kids. We got everybody together. We were away in the body, but we were present in the flesh. And we're going to release kids to Children's Church right now, ages four through... Grade five. Thank you. (laughs) Um, We're in the middle of this series about the Holy Spirit, and we have sought to understand the Spirit of God. And uh, as I said, Cynthia and I were away physically, but we were uh, present in the Spirit with you. Through the power of the Spirit, we were praying for you. We were praying for Sunday services, praying for individuals in the church who we needed, had certain prayer uh, requests. And so we were present with you. So as we have gone through this series, we've sensed, we've learned more about who the Holy Spirit is. We've learned what the Holy Spirit's role is in the life of both believers and the church. And we've looked at how we experience the Holy Spirit working in our lives, working in the church, working in the world. And today... We're going to talk about how to live in the Spirit. So, if you would, bow your heads. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we come here today to worship you and to sit at your feet and have you instruct us. So, Lord, through the power of your Spirit and through the authority of your Word, I pray that you would speak through me and that we would hear what we need to hear. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're following along in your bulletin, there's a couple of points. Uh, The first one is live in the Spirit. So here's what you need to know about us as a church. We believe that the most important thing each of us can do is to follow Jesus. And so we believe in Jesus, and we believe in following Jesus, and we believe as we read about Jesus, we see things that he wants us to to know and understand and live and follow and obey. And one of those things that we learn is that Jesus functioned in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a little mind-boggling to me. Maybe it is to you, but, but let's just look at, at a couple of scriptures. Um, the, the first one is, and these might not show up on the screen, but you might want to write these down. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the first verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I mean, that one's mind-boggling. 
Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So here we see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. He's led by the Holy Spirit, another part of the triune God, another person in the triune God. And then we see later on in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is telling his critics. He's telling them about that he drives out demons. And in it, he says, I, I drive, he, he tells them that he drives out demons by the Spirit of God. So he operates in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit and, and doing things by the Spirit. Uh, this tells us that there's this connection between three members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it also tells us if Jesus lived in the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Spirit, that his followers need to too. And uh, Jesus told, uh, told us very clearly in the Gospel of John, he said that uh, he would leave us, but he would send his Spirit to help us follow him. So we know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our teacher and our comforter. And in, in his very own words, Jesus said this about his followers. He said, the true worshipers of God will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And so we understand that we as followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to live our lives in the spirit. We're supposed to live following him and worshiping God through the spirit. Now, it just, just this didn't end, this idea of living in the spirit did not end with Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. The Apostle Paul, when he became a follower of Jesus, he becomes a leader in the early church, and he's starting and he's strengthening churches all over the known world, and he begins to write letters to them to teach them about things that have cropped up because he can't be in all the churches at one time. And many of those letters, uh, most of those letters, uh, uh, complete much of the New Testament today. And in those, letter, in those letters, Paul tells his brothers and sisters in Christ then, and he tells us today, how we're supposed to live in the Spirit. We also read about how Paul and some, many of the early church leaders lived in the Spirit in the book of Acts. So let me just quote a couple of verses here from the Apostle Paul, from Romans chapter 7. He says, now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. And then in chapter 8, he says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you go on and read after verse 18 in chapter 5, you'll, you'll see that he makes a clear explanation of what it, likes, what it looks like to walk in our sinful flesh. And then he also tells us what the fruit of the Spirit are, what it's like to walk, to live in the Spirit. In uh, Galatians, uh, excuse me, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, he says that we are given gifts through the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, he tells us that we're supposed to pray in the Spirit. In other words, let the Spirit lead us as we're praying. And in Galatians 5, back to Galatians 5, 25, he says this, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Now, I share all of that with you because I want to impress upon you that the Christian life 
is supposed to be lived in the Spirit, lived with the Spirit, lived by the Spirit, and lived through the Spirit. We've spent time studying who the Holy Spirit is. We've talked about how we experience the Holy Spirit, but, but now the rubber meets the road. For everyone who believes in Jesus, and, and that means that you accept him as your Savior and you follow him to the best of your ability, then he has filled you with his Spirit, uh, which is in you and which through you, you can live a life for him. Even the Apostle John knew this. If you read through the book of Revelation, there's at least four times where he talks about whatever he was doing, he was doing in the Spirit. He was not operating by his uh, flesh, by his, his normal way of doing things. He was seeking to follow what the Holy Spirit was guiding him and teaching him to do. So, you know, obvious question, what does it mean to live in the Spirit? Let me try to illustrate that. When a person believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into their lives. Paul says it this way, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And Paul writes that our hearts are changed by the Spirit and that thus we know we're no longer controlled by our sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And Paul writes, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So in front of you, I have two containers, and you've probably been wondering what they're about. And, um, you know, full disclosure here, I've thought this through. I haven't actually practiced this, and so uh, I'm trusting God to make this illustration work. So the, the big container, uh, the one with the orange water, it represents the Holy Spirit, Okay. And this represents a follower of Christ. So um, the Holy Spirit is here on the earth. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is poured into you. So let's take a little red food coloring. When you become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit's poured into you. All right? The Spirit's in you and I, you know, there's a, we put a lid on it, you know, so the Holy Spirit's in us, and it's sealed with a lid, so there it is. Not very exciting, is it? Even sort of hard to see the Holy Spirit in us. So the Spirit is in me, but if I don't decide to live in the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit, or by the Holy Spirit, or through the Holy Spirit, this is what it looks like. I have the Holy Spirit in me, but, I, but I'm not living in the Spirit. In fact, I'm really living outside of God's plan for my life. It's like this. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes into us when we believe in Jesus, when we become a Christian. But if we don't yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, if we don't say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come in and be in all of my life and to guide me and lead me, then the Spirit's just sort of compartmentalized. When I do that, I may have the Spirit in me, but I'm not living in the Spirit. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So when I live according to my flesh or my natural inclinations, my natural tendencies, when I do that, 
I'm not living in the spirit. It's, it's like I'm just doing this. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's me. I'm just sort of floating on top. I'm living with the spirit in me, but I'm not really in the spirit. But what if I let some of the Holy Spirit into me? Let the Holy Spirit permeate every part of me. Holy Spirit's in me, and now I'm in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. It did work, didn't it? <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit desires for us to be filled completely, letting the Holy Spirit into every part of our lives. Let, let me remind you what uh, the Apostle Paul says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. When we live according to the flesh, in other words, according to our natural minds, we do what we want to do. But when we live according to the Spirit, when we let the Spirit in and permeate all of us, when we live in the Spirit, then the Spirit directs us, directs us according to the way we should live. And sometimes that's going to be in direct contradiction to the way we would live in our flesh. Sometimes we have some thoughts that would align with the Spirit and it's going to look similar. But the idea is that when we let the Holy Spirit fill us and we live in the Spirit, He's going to guide us and He's going to direct us. He's going to work in us. Now, I realize that for some of us, I said, well, that, that's a little scary. That's a little uncomfortable. I'm going to let the Spirit uh, guide me and, and permeate my life, all of my life. Well, here's something we need to understand. We need to trust the Spirit of God. The, the Holy Spirit of God is not someone to be feared. It's not someone to, to be scared of or afraid of. We need to trust the Holy Spirit of God only wants what's good for us and that the Holy Spirit will guide us. But here's something we also need to recognize. We've learned to live in a certain way by our thoughts and by our minds, and we don't have the mind of Christ. I don't have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Clark. And the mind of Clark doesn't always align with the mind of Christ. Most of the times it doesn't. But when I, when I turn to God, when I turn to the Holy Spirit, when I turn to Jesus, I understand how my mind needs to align in my thoughts. So when I operate out of my natural thinking, sometimes it's not going to align with the Holy Spirit. So when I operate out of the Spirit it's going to align. So if we trust God with all that we have, we're going to trust that he will work in us and that we'll live by the Spirit. So uh, what I want you to see is that living in the Spirit requires intentionality. It, it, it requires a decision. It, it requires that we decide that we're going to live in the Spirit you know, sometimes I think we think this. We think if, you know, when we become a Christian, when we understand the Holy Spirit's going to uh, come into our lives, we just think God zaps us and, and everything changes, that the old person is completely gone away. But the reality is I have old tendencies. 
from the old person. I have ways that I've always done things that may have worked before, but they may have not been godly. And so we need to recognize that we have to be intentional about living in the Spirit. So living in the Spirit, we see what it looks like, but recognize that with intentionality, it takes faith. We can't rely on those comfortable human instincts that we have. It takes faith. So this is the next point that I want to make. We need to walk by faith, not by feeling. Now, I'm going to say a few things that I, I, I hope are common sense, but I've recognized that oftentimes they're not. Here it goes. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. All right? Um, we live in a society, we live in a world that uh, really uh, idolizes living by how you feel. All right, when uh, I, I, I was born in 1962, I grew up in the 70s, and uh, the big mantra back then was, if it feels good, do it. And people don't really say that, but they live that, you know? Um, they live by feeling. So, but there's a problem. So let me illustrate how our feelings are not facts. In fact, how our feelings can uh, mislead us. So if you've ever loved somebody, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, you understand that you love them with all your heart. There's an unconditional part of that. But if you've ever got into an argument with that loved one, and a heated argument, a, a real, you know, I, I disagree with you, I'm not going to believe what you believe, or I'm not going to agree with what you agree, whatever it is, at the end of that time, if I asked you, do you still love that person that you were in an argument with? You go, oh, oh yeah, I, I still love them. I don't feel really loving to them, but, but I, I love them. So that's an important recognition. There, there are times when our feelings will be one thing, but the facts are different. Now, look, for those of you who uh, are uh, engaged, thinking about getting married, those of you who are newlyweds, for those of us who have been married for a while, we understand that sometimes in the course of being married, circumstances happen. You may be sick, you may be stressed out, you may have money issues, you may have health issues, uh, you may have a bad day at the office, and you come home and you don't feel in love with your spouse. And if you were to live by that feeling, you may make some decisions that wouldn't be right. But here's the facts. You do love that person. You had a bad day. You're not feeling good. You know, something's off in your emotions, but it doesn't mean you're not in love anymore. So if we understand that about love, what I want us to understand that that too is important about faith. Because sometimes we feel really close to God, like God is right there with us, that he's, he's right beside us. And sometimes God feels far away. Let's just own that. Sometimes we have those feelings, and that's okay. Uh, I've witnessed this many times when I was a youth pastor. We'd have youth events. We'd have uh, conferences or, or retreats or, or camps. 
kids would come to faith in Christ, they would be on a mountaintop, a spiritual mountaintop. They, they think God is, is their best friend and there's nothing better than God and they can't wait to go home and tell everybody and they get home and they're on this mountaintop and all of a sudden they're down in the valley. And they go, where'd God go? Where did God go? I feel God's so far away. I'm, I'll honor that feeling, but here's a fact. God is never far away. God is omnipresent. You know, Scripture tells us that God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So your feeling is legitimate, but the fact is that God hasn't left you. God hasn't forsaken you. God is present with you. And so we need to learn to operate in that truth rather than operating in that feeling. And so when we're going to live by the Spirit, we need to understand that that's operating by faith, that God is with us, that the Spirit is in me, guiding me and directing me. That's so important for us to understand. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said that at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. But, but how could that be? Because he ascended into heaven. How can he be with us to the very end of the age? Because the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to us to be with us, to be in us, and for us to live in the Holy Spirit, to be our teacher, our guide, our comforter. So, so he is there to be with us always, to guide us. As you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct your lives, it also means that you're going to run into what I've talked about already. Sometimes that's not going to become natural. I mean, it's not going to be natural. You're going to go back on your old human instincts, your old ways. And we have to recognize that the truth is that God has allowed us a free choice. We can decide to believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus. We can decide to live in the Spirit or not live in the Spirit. God doesn't want us to be pre-programmed robots. He wants us to choose Him. And so living in the Spirit then takes intentionality. It means we have to recognize that it's something to consciously decide to do. Uh, I'm going to use a word, and it's going to sound artificial, but living in the Spirit, quite honestly, will take practice. Intentional decisions to do it. Let me give you an illustration. You probably wonder what these bikes are doing up here. So remember when you were a kid, maybe you were given a trike, and, uh, you know, it was a little scary at first. You got three wheels. You, you want me to do that, don't you? Okay. That's for you, Dan. All right. You, you know, it felt a little, uh, a little off balance. I mean, it's got three wheels, three points of contact with the ground. And, uh, but, you know, uh, when you first got on it, you may have turned it too hard and tipped over and skinned your knee. Uh, it, it may have felt very unnatural. But the more you practiced riding the trike the better you could get at it. And you, at some point, you could just zoom around. You could zoom around without any fear. You were fearless, and you could, you could make it on your way. And then remember the day that you graduated from the trike? Maybe your parents brought home a bicycle with training wheels on it. Now, a little scarier because um, it has four wheels. It's got two big wheels and two little wheels. But the problem is now your center of gravity is higher in the, uh, the 
propensity to tip over and skin your knee is even greater. And so you had to learn. And you notice right now it's leaning to one side. You know, those, those training wheels weren't, weren't always level or flat. So you had to learn to, to balance it even when it felt unbalanced. And there were crashes and, and, and skinned knees and skinned elbows along the way. But you got good at it. And you could ride and zoom all over the road. And you, you were very great riding the bike. And then one day somebody took the training wheels off and you were scared to death because no longer did you have the security of those two little wheels to keep you from tipping over now the whole balancing thing was going to rely on you practicing riding the bike without training wheels I still have this memory from my childhood. We had a really flat, grassy backyard. I can remember my dad taking the training wheels off and, and he ran behind me. He was holding the back of the bike. And, and that was cool because he was, he was keeping me from tipping over and we would tip over a little bit, but I'd stick my foot out and grab myself. And then there came that time when we were riding the bike and something felt different and I looked back and dad wasn't back there. And I immediately went down. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know what to do. I'm scared out of my mind. But I practiced riding the bike and riding the bike and and now today decades later I can get on a bike and, and nine times out of ten I'm not going to crash but let's talk about crashing you know about living in the spirit let's talk about crashing Cynthia and I said we were we were in uh, uh, North Carolina last week my son and daughter-in-law they love to ride bikes they ride it for pleasure they ride it for exercise so uh, last week, my, my son was working on my daughter-in-law's bike, and he was trying to fix it and uh, do something to tune it up. And so he decided to take it out for a test ride, and nothing mechanically went wrong, but he crashed. Um, you know, the only thing that was wounded was his pride, uh, but, you know, nobody was around completely by himself, but we all saw it. And um, a little embarrassing, but it, it's the same with walking, living in the Spirit. You know, some point along the way, I'm going to try to take over, and I'm going to crash. I'm not going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by feeling, and now the Spirit is taking me someplace deeper or newer, and it feels uncomfortable, and I go back to the old ways, and I crash. We have to walk by faith not by feeling. It's so important that we understand that. Riding a bike, we have to eventually trust what we've learned by practicing. So, uh, and I, I know that word may seem artificial, but living in the Spirit does take an intentionality that you may call practicing. And it's okay to look at it that way. I'm going to live by faith and by living, living in the spirit today. I'm gonna seek what I need to do. Now, this intentionality has three points that I think are incredibly important for us to understand. The first intentionality of living in the spirit means this. We'll immerse ourselves in God's word. In other words, we'll read God's word and we'll read it genuinely looking for the spirit to guide us. Now, to be intentional about that doesn't mean um, that you... Uh, pull open your Bible, read it you know, really quickly, and then just forget about it. It really means being intentional. So when you, before you open your Bible, just saying, God, will you reveal to me how this applies to my life? Just that 
quick little prayer and then read it expecting that God's going to speak with you and show you more about what it means to live in the Spirit. So that's the first intentional thing about living in the Spirit. Here's the second thing. Intentionally living in the Spirit means we'll walk in the truth that we already know from God's Word. You know, for those of us who've been followers of Jesus Christ a long time, we know a lot of the truth. Whether we live that truth and walk in the Spirit by living that truth or not is between you and God, but we know a lot of the truth. So we need to intentionally do that. You know, our, our mission statement as a church is love God, love people, change the world, and that comes from the, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We, I think we all know the Great Commandment, love God with all your heart, and Jesus said the next one is like it, love your neighbors yourself, so love God, love people. And Jesus said, take the good news of Jesus everywhere and change the world. So that's what change the world's from. But we know that living in the Spirit means we live that. And each one of us will need to wrestle with that on our own. So that's the second way we intentionally live in the Spirit. Here's the third way. It means intentionally asking the Spirit to guide us and to teach us new things or things that maybe we've been reluctant to learn because it's, it's a little bit of both sometimes because sometimes we want to operate back in our own understanding. I, I think about that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was a, was a verse that I memorized early on. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Walk in the Spirit means leaning not on your own understanding. That's so important. Here's the final point that I want to make. Ask the Father. Ask the Father. So, speaking of questions, let me ask a couple of questions. Um, uh, moms, moms in here, if your son asked you for a snack, would you give him a rattlesnake? No, no. Dads, if your daughter asked you for a ring, would you give her a poisonous spider? No. Grandparents, if your grandkids came running in the house and said, uh, Mommy, Poppy, can I have some money for the ice cream truck? Would you give them a bunch of scorpions? No. Now, some of you are going, that sort of sounds familiar. Yeah, Jesus, this is inspired from the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. Which of you, your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here's the deal. Our Heavenly Father not only wants to give us the Holy Spirit, but he wants to help us live by the Holy Spirit. The Father gave you and I the Spirit when we came to faith in Jesus Christ. But he didn't give you the Holy Spirit just to be a compartment of your life. He gave you the Holy Spirit to not just live in you, but to help you live in the Spirit. And so if God, the Father, gives us the Holy Spirit, won't he help us, give us our answered prayer to live in the Spirit? 
I want us to dwell on that question. Will the Father give us the ability to live in the Spirit? God will if we ask him. So that question really deserves a response. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something, everybody to do something. And there'll be a couple of steps. So the first step, uh, in just a moment, I'll ask you to, everybody to close their eyes. And when you do, I'm just going to ask you to keep your eyes closed until I tell you to open them. So go ahead and close your eyes. If you're ready today to ask God the Father to help you live in the Holy Spirit, everybody keep their eyes closed. Stand up, okay? If you're willing, if you're ready to ask God the Father to help you live in the Holy Spirit today, just go ahead and stand up where you are. Keep your eyes closed, but go ahead and stand up. All right. Now continue with your eyes closed. I'm going to invite everybody else to stand up. All right. Go ahead. Everybody else stand up. So I want to pray over you, whether you stood up today or if you're just not sure. And then at the conclusion of this, we're going to sing a song uh, just to echo this prayer. So just with your eyes closed and your, and your minds open, uh, just receive this prayer over you. Father, today we have stood. And some of us have said, Lord, we want to live in your spirit today. And Lord, I pray that you would answer that prayer in very real and very graphic ways for each person who took that stance today. And Lord, for those who were reluctant to stand, we say that's okay, but I pray that you would work in their hearts, that you would move in their lives to help them take that step of faith and to ask. Because Lord, we know, we're told that when we ask you, we will receive. So I pray, Lord, that for all of us, that we'll receive an understanding of how we can live in the Spirit. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mind to comprehend. And and I pray that you would do things in us and through us as we seek to set aside our will and receive your will and to walk in the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would change our lives and change the world through living in the Spirit each and every day. I pray this in the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.